0: Looking at fitness ads, we see abs everywhere. And the impression is always the same. If you wanna be happy, you wanna be attractive, or even if you just wanna be perceived as a fit person, you're told that you're gonna need a set of abs. And not just any abs, you're gonna need chiseled six-pack abs, and an eight-pack would be even better, but six minimum. And you're told over and over again that this is achievable for anyone. But how true are these promises really? Well, it turns out there are a lot of things about getting and maintaining abs that you probably don't know because no one really talks about it. So today I want to paint a very realistic picture that's based on research so you can walk away with a better understanding of what's achievable for you and what needs to be done to get that six pack. And right off the bat, I'm going to tell you something that 99% of the fitness industry likes to sweep under the rug, and that's the fact that your genetics have a huge influence on what your abs will ultimately look like. If you browse through a fitness magazine or you visit a bodybuilding website, I can guarantee that you'll find an article, supplement, or a program that claims that you can get abs like Brad Pitt from Fight Club by taking a pill or following a super special diet and workout plan. The truth, however, is that even though we're all capable of losing fat and developing our abdominal muscles, What they'll actually look like is highly influenced by our genetics. You see, what most people refer to as a six-pack is actually one muscle known as the rectus abdominis. This one muscle appears to be multiple muscles because it's segmented into separate sections by fibrous bands called tendinous inscriptions. And the number of bands dividing your rectus abdominis into blocks of abs can vary, usually from three to five, but it can be more or less. And if you're born with fewer bands or even less pronounced bands, then an eight or six-pack can literally be physically impossible for you to achieve without surgery. To drive the point home further, these tendinous inscriptions come in all different thicknesses, sizes, and even in lopsided arrangements. This is why some people have less symmetrical abs than others. While one guy might have an evenly lined 8-pack, another guy may have what looks like a lopsided 4-pack. It all comes down to how many bands of connective tissue you have and how they're genetically arranged on your rectus abdominis. If you only have two bands, you'll likely have a 4-pack rather than a 6-pack. And there's no amount of work you can do to get more tendinous inscriptions. That's why even Arnold Schwarzenegger always struggled with his abs and did his best to draw attention away from them during his posing routines. Aside from these factors, there are other genetic factors at play, which is why you shouldn't compare your results to others. And your goal should always be to get lean enough to see your abs, regardless of how many blocks show up when you do get lean enough. Because a lot of that is out of your control and simply not worth stressing about. Now, with all that said, most people will have at least two bands. And if you ignore the endless ads, you'll realize that's more than enough for a very attractive midsection that you can be proud of. But to develop those abs, you're going to want to use some heavy weight. And that's something that most people don't tell you. Most trainers will tell you that you should train your abs with a high amount of reps because they're made up of mostly slow twitch muscle fibers and hardly any fast twitch muscle fibers. The scientific evidence, however, doesn't support this idea. It actually shows that the abs have a balanced profile of around 55 to 58% slow twitch fibers and the other half is made up of fast twitch muscle fibers. This is one of the reasons why I've been saying for years now that since your rectus abdominis is a muscle, it would make sense. Tends to use heavy weight for our ab exercises just like we do for our bicep, leg, and chest exercises if the goal is to have more pronounced abdominal muscles. Ideally you want to do both low and high rep sets for this muscle. For example, one of my favorite ways to target the abs for muscle growth is by performing decline crunches with a weight behind my head for 10 reps, and then immediately performing a bodyweight exercise like pull-ups or jackknives with no weight, but that exercise would have a higher rep count like 20 reps, and then repeat that for three to four sets. You can simply do that with three to four different pairs of ab exercises, and I promise you, you'll get better and faster results than doing endless crunches. And that brings us right to another very common myth. This idea that it's bad for your back to do dynamic core exercises like crunches and leg raises. The problem with this idea is that according to two leading exercise scientists who reviewed all the evidence available on ab training, it turns out that all dynamic spinal exercises are safe as long as they meet three criteria. The first is that you must progress gradually to give your nervous system, your muscles, and even your spinal discs time to adapt. So before you perform weighted decline crunches, make sure you can do bodyweight floor crunches. The second criteria to prevent a back injury is to avoid extreme ranges of motion of the spine under load. So if you're doing a decline sit-up and your back looks like an upside down U, that means that your abs are too weak to handle the load and you're destroying your spine. This extreme range of motion can happen during almost any ab exercise, including a regular crunch. The third guideline is to limit targeted core-specific exercises like crunches, sit-ups, and leg raises to the end of your workout or to a separate workout. This is important because doing ab isolation exercises before heavy compound movements raises your risk of a back injury by fatiguing the stabilizer muscles in your core before performing compound exercises with heavy loads like deadlifts or squats that require those same core muscles to support your spine. And while we're on the topic of exercises like deadlifts, you should know that compound exercises alone are not enough to optimally stimulate your abs if you just want a moderate level of ab definition or you want to maintain the ab definition that you currently have you might not need to do any direct ab exercises but if you want to go for optimal ab development compound exercises alone won't cut it in fact If you're beyond the beginner phase, it's unlikely that compound exercises will help build your abs any further. This is because most compound exercises, including squats and deadlifts, don't activate the abs effectively. This makes sense from a physiological standpoint since your spine doesn't really flex or rotate much during those movements, and research confirms this as well. For example, we have a study that examined the difference in abdominal muscle activation between a bunch of different exercises. When performing a set of very heavy squats, ab muscle activation was so low it didn't even reach 20% of the maximum voluntary contraction limit. On the other hand, when performing a straight leg sit-up, they activated the external obliques and the rectus abdominis by around 40%, which is more than double the activation produced by the squat. Other studies confirm these results as well. For example, research on clean and jerks also shows that there are low levels of core activity meaning that even a clean and jerk, which includes the movement patterns of a deadlift, a squat, and an overhead press all in one, it still doesn't train the abs effectively. Make no mistake, there's no doubt that this is an effective exercise for the erector spinae, but the reason why most compound exercises aren't optimal for your abs is because compound exercises train your abs statically. This is actually something most people also don't understand when it comes to abs. Both the eccentric, which is the lowering phase, and the concentric, which is the lifting phase, both of these offer unique benefits that you don't get from static or isometric movements. For example, when compared to isometric contractions, you could produce two times more force during eccentric contractions and 50% more force during concentric contractions this means that dynamic exercises allow you to overload your muscles to a greater extent leading to a more potent growth stimulus the eccentric and the concentric phases also activate different anabolic cell signaling patterns which is something you don't fully benefit from during isometric exercises. Now, this doesn't mean isometric core exercises can't be beneficial. For example, they can help reduce the risk of lower back pain for some people. But if you wanna optimize ab development, you'll have to focus on dynamic exercises. And not all ab-specific exercises are dynamic. For example, most people have never been told that planks are not that great at building your abs. There are a few reasons for this. One of them being what I just went over, that the planks train your abs statically instead of dynamically. But another reason is that holding a regular plank for a minute is too easy for most people. There are ways to increase the difficulty of a plank. One way is by doing a long lever posterior pelvic tilt plank, which research has shown that this variation resulted in over 100% activation of the abs compared to regular planks. But even with this significant increase in muscle activation, even the long lever plank is still not a very effective ab builder. It is great for core stability but not for muscle growth because the tension on the abs is entirely isometric or static. The data is clear on the fact that if you want to optimally stimulate a muscle, you must train it through a full range of motion. We've seen this play out in studies that found full squats to stimulate much more muscle growth than partial squats. And the same thing was found in other muscle groups like the biceps. Unfortunately, most people aren't told that this applies to abs as well. Going through a full range of motion has multiple advantages. For example, it produces higher levels of muscle activation. Different parts of a movement will emphasize different parts of a muscle. So by going through a full range of motion, you're able to train a muscle in its entirety. Another benefit of going through a full range of motion is that you wind up overloading the muscle you're targeting while it's in a stretch position, which is beneficial for muscle growth. So the bottom line is that you must make it a priority to use exercises that train your abs through a full range of motion. Examples include decline sit-ups, stability ball crunches, and kneeling cable crunches. Let's move on to another major thing that most people don't realize about abs, and that's the fact that abs are not necessarily a sign of good health. Don't get me wrong, Having a low body fat percentage can be very healthy, and it does show that you're more likely to be fertile. This is backed by scientific evidence that shows that there is a negative dose response relation between body fat percentage and fertility if your BMI is over 18.5, meaning the more body fat you have, the less fertile you tend to be. Excess visceral fat is also bad for your health in general because it produces high amounts of inflammatory markers, which can promote the development of chronic diseases. But having shredded six-pack abs can be very unhealthy as well. For example, professional bodybuilders might have extreme ab definition when they step on stage, but the truth is most of them aren't feeling too well on that stage. Male natural bodybuilders during their competition tend to have significantly elevated cortisol and significantly reduced testosterone levels, often leading to low libido, erectile dysfunction, mood problems, and other issues. Female bodybuilders also can experience health problems when they become very lean, like losing their menstrual cycle, for example. So the point is that abs can signal good health as long as you don't take it to the extreme. This is why it's not a healthy or even a realistic goal to maintain a six to 8% body fat percentage year round, especially naturally. Now, another thing that no one tells you about abs is that even though polls show that the abs are rated as the most attractive muscle group that a man can have, according to women, That doesn't mean that your abs, or your muscles in general, are much of a determining factor when other factors are included. So what I mean is that when compared to other muscles, like traps, shoulders, pecs, biceps, forearms, and all the other muscles, women find obliques, glutes, and abs to be the top three attractive muscles. However, according to other larger polls with up to 68,000 women surveyed, it seems that your personality is far more important than your abs. In fact, physical attractiveness didn't even make it to the top of the list for what women look for in a man. And the number one preferable physical feature when women were not limited to just picking from muscle groups was a nice smile rather than nice abs. But regardless, non-physical qualities like kindness, supportiveness, intelligence, education, and confidence all far outweighed the physical qualities. So don't let advertisers fool you into believing that all you need is a nice set of abs and women will be flocking all over you. Your personality is actually much more important. Finally, I saved this for last because I've mentioned this numerous times on my channel, but some of you may still be unaware that you can't reduce belly fat by doing ab exercises. To prove this, you don't really need to look any further than a 2011 study published in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, where scientists had participants do four hours of ab training every single week for six weeks. But despite all their hard work, the ab exercises led to no belly fat reduction or any fat loss in general. In other words, if you want to get a slim and shredded midsection, doing endless amount of crunches and sit-ups is definitely not the answer. So that about wraps it up. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you subscribe to my channel. And if you're looking for the best diet and workout plan to help you get the best possible midsection that's genetically achievable for you, whether that's a four-pack or a six-pack, then I know my team and I can definitely help. If you want that help, of course, we have everything from done-for-you diet and workout plans to recipe books to one-on-one coaching to help you hit your goals in the least amount of time possible. In fact, if you're serious, you can train with us for six weeks for free and expect to lose around 10% of your body weight. So if that sounds good, head on over to my website by clicking the link below in the description, or you can go straight there by typing in gravitytransformation.com. I'll see you guys soon.